say you have a problem, think it might be all in your head. Talk with a counselor or maybe a psychic instead. Doesn't matter how you roll when life is taking such a toll. Clenching fist along with your screams. I'm here to heal your mind and we are here to heal your soul. Time to follow your dreams. Side by Hi, and welcome to Side by Side, a show where we use two different perspectives to achieve the same goal. I'm Sheena Metal, and I'm a psychic medium. And with me, of course, always is my co-host, Diane Katz. She's a mental health educator. And between the two of us, we are working to get people the help and the healing that they need side by side. Diane, welcome. It's great to be back with here with you, my friend. Great to be back with you, my friend, Sheena Metal. Super awesome. And uh, I'm so glad we're here and helping people. And today's topic is a biggie, right? Oh, it sure is. Go ahead I mean, and say it. <laughs> I like to, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I sometimes I say the N-word and then I say oh, the other N-word. It's narcissist. I think it has become, it ha- carries so much weight in our, in our world now. When you say narcissist, people kind of stop and, and, you know, reel back in horror. Um, because because there's so much fun there's there's so many of them and they're so destructive and i don't know about you but for me and my spiritual practice i would say probably close to 90 percent of everything that i do has to do with healing people in some way from a narcissist and the worst is people who've been involved in romantic partnerships with narcissists right Oh, yes, absolutely. I bet a lot of people we know can relate to that. <laughs> right. We could have filled this show with 500 times over. Yeah, you got um, a whole day. Yeah, the, luck, the lucky three. We'll call this uh, in a relationship with a narcissist part one. And I thought, <laughs> what a better day for that than Valentine's Day. Because oh. being in a relationship with a narcissist can kind of ruin you for Valentine's years to come, right? I mean, it... It changes the way you feel about everything. Oh, yeah. Where's all my goodies? Where are my cards? Where are my candy? <laughs> exactly. So I don't want to, I want to get somebody on right away. Uh, this is Jen, and I wanted to get her with us uh, right away um, to talk about this because I want you all that are listening to hear from somebody who has actually been through it. And throughout the hour, Diane and I, well, I, I know I will. I'm not going to speak for Diane. We'll be sharing my own stories because I was in a narcissistic relationship that, that literally almost killed me. And um, I very proudly consider myself a survivor and do everything I can to help other survivors. So Jen, we're so excited to have you with us. Thanks for being here. Oh, you're so welcome. 
Thanks for having Hi, me. Hi, Jan. Hi. So how, first of all, how are you? Because uh, you got away. So congratulations. A lot of people don't. And, um, uh, you know, when did you know that you were in a relationship with a narcissist? It's, excuse me, I don't mean to interject, but is this romantic or platonic? Uh, okay, so I'll try and, I don't know how to say this concisely. My mother is a, a vengeful narcissist. Oh, okay. And very, That's how and it so, starts. And then I married a narcissist and and had a son with him. So he's oh. my dad's father. So we're kind of, I can't just leave and get away from him. And then there's always, I uh, I don't know where to begin, Sheena. What? No, <laughs> you're doing a- great. Yeah, she's doing great. You're doing great, Jen. Let me point out really quick, though, sweetheart, while we have you, because you said that oftentimes, right, Diane, if you have a narcissistic parent, when you start your romantic relationships, you will inadvertently pick people out that have the same traits as that parent, even if your other parent is terrific. For some reason, I had a narcissistic father and a mother who I believe walked on water. Yet again and again, I dated my father, even though my father and I had no relationship. And sometimes my father was a man that I dated. And sometimes my father was a woman that I dated, but they were all my father. So well, it's, it's very common. Diane? Well, let, let me explain that, why you do that from a mental health perspective. Please. You know, if there's somebody in our family who's a narcissist or actually any kind of addiction or something, we're often going to pick those kind of individuals because... It's familiar. That's what we know. If it, yeah. you know, if we don't necessarily want a relationship with chaos, but we will pick somebody with chaos because it just something about it just feels right. It feels it. <laughs> it's familiar. That's all we knew. Chaos yep. is delicious. So Jen, I say that because I want you to know that you. not to beat yourself up that you, you know, you were stuck in this long before you met him. Uh, having grown up with your mom. So when did you realize that his personality was so much like your mom's and that you had sort of just sort of stepped into that pattern again? Um, I think I realized it because I had been, I left when I was 16, you know, and then came back and I had a child with this guy. So, but in the meantime, I had, I learned what it was like to be respected and treated well and then I came back and um, when I was my most vulnerable, when I was pregnant, when I was, you know, I got so beaten down in that relationship, I would cry myself to sleep every night. And I think I realized it when there was just no compassion there. The, the, like the, the more vulnerable and sad and broken I got, the, the, the worse they treated me, especially my, my ex-husband. Yeah. Yeah. You know, from a spiritual perspective, because Diane gave her mental health perspective, um, we all have life lessons and challenges in this life, right? And sometimes if a challenge is presented to you, a spiritual lesson, call it, and for whatever reason you don't overcome it, then it comes back at you again and continues to come back at you until Mm -hmm. you get past it. And so I believe that that your ex-husband was just another challenge to help you get past everything you had dealt with with your mother. And it's great that you got away from him as much as you could. I and mean, you're no longer in a relationship with him. But yeah. 
really you need to overcome also the relationship with her um, in order for the pattern to stop. You need to show, because I'm sure, you know, Diane can explain about psychological patterns, but they're also spiritual patterns. Every lifetime we're thrown challenges as life lessons that we have to get over in order to have learned that lesson and move forward as a soul. And so the first step is you got away from him and that's wonderful. And seeing the similarities between your mom and him is the next step. And that's wonderful. Um, how are you doing with resolving the fact that you were with him? Because um, a, a narcissistic relationship, it's, it's a multi-phase thing to get through it. And Jen, before, uh, you know, I'm not sure our listeners, we haven't really defined narcissism. Do you want to go ahead and cover that for everybody? So those, Me who or yeah, you, those who don't know what we're talking about might understand where we're coming from. Well, from a spiritual perspective, I'll explain it that way. A narcissist is someone who doesn't make their own light. They don't have their own light source. So they're looking for yours. Um, mm -hmm. I like to describe them as a hollow Easter bunny. Like they look delicious on the outside. If you lick <laughs> them, they would be yummy. But if you bit into them, there would be nothing going on in there at all. So yeah. empathic people and narcissists are very drawn to empaths because we emit a lot of light and our light becomes their food in a way. Um, mm. they're, they're always looking to find that light from somewhere, um, but you can't expect them to act like a normal person that, that has something going on inside of them because they're not going to react the same way. And sometimes they react completely opposite. Sometimes narcissists are the only one not panicking in a crisis, but then having a complete panic over nothing just because it's inconvenienced them. So it's hard I'm, to figure out, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm so sorry to interrupt. This is so uh, synchronistic. I think I'm putting in security cameras everywhere because I'm sick of my ex-husband um, grabbing me and violating me and grabbing my boots and stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if I can say that. My security no, you can say that. Right now. So I can I can just kind of let him in and let him do his thing and come back if you don't mind. Um, my security guy is here to put in a bunch of cameras. Oh, oh I, got what, I got what you're saying. Yeah. You, That's uh, fine. We that, can talk yeah, more about yeah, narcissism. We'll talk while you do that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So okay. Diane, what's the, what's the psychological definition of a narcissist? Well, I believe that narcissists, and I'm not sure how they became narcissists. There could be very, you know, a lot of variables. It could have been from their childhood, but it's the type of person that when you're involved with, all they think about is themselves. Mm -hmm. For some reason, they are unable to pull themselves out of themselves and look at or be in the other person's shoes. They can't empathize. They can't sympathize. Um, you got that mic off? Yeah. And it's just very, very difficult for them to think about anything other than themselves and their needs. So they're very self-centered. They're very selfish. And there's no you in the relationship. It's me, me, me. But right. again, that that can stem from anything. It could it could stem from a you know a, a childhood that where they were abandoned or or so forth. But it stays pretty much throughout their lifetime unless they really really see it and work on it. You know, from a spiritual perspective, and I'm sure there are those in the psychological and the spiritual community that will not agree with me. But here I go, Diane. <laughs> um, uh, I believe sometimes they just come out of the box that way. 
<laughs> I think sometimes their souls, that's just who they are. And they just come out that way. Um, you, you know, know I have to agree nature, with you on that. I really nature don't. versus nurture, right? Are they made yeah. or are they born? And I'm sure that it's, it's some of some of one and some of another. But I really feel because there, there's no way to really treat them. There's no way to make a narcissist not a narcissist. There's no pill yeah. you can give them to make them right. stop. And like and, you said, all they think about is themselves. That's true. And unfortunately, also all they think about what is what you've done to them. How have you hurt oh, me? Yeah. How have you made me angry? How have you disappointed me? I always say that a nurse, an empath always says, what did I do? And a narcissist always says, what did you do? So yeah. it's always empaths, your fault to them. It's always exactly. Your fault. So we as, as, as empaths wind up taking on everybody's everything for us and for them. Right. right. And that's really, um, that's, that's, it's, it's scary for empaths. It's hard. And it's hard to have been involved with one and they don't go away. That's the thing. When I teach, I teach an empath workshop and I always started out by saying, um, you know, uh, part of my empath workshop, the follow-up is a workshop about how called feed the light and starve the dark about how to stay in the light despite dealing with narcissists. And um, one of the things I say is how do you make a narcissist go away? And everyone just stares at me because they have no idea. And I always say, it's a trick question. They don't go away. You have to go away. And they'll still try to come to your house and grab your boobs as Jen was talking about. <laughs> I mean, they don't, they don't stop. They just, well, you, you they... know, it's, you know, what skills they've really worked on. They're charming. They're absolutely charming. Yes. But they're not sincere. No. There's nothing sincere about their charm. So Right. And they're never more charming is when they come back oh, and they want to lure you back in. Then yes. they're the, the most charming. And as soon as they think you're back, then all the problems start again. The right. I know. Um then all the problems start again. And that's that's just kind of how I think. Uh why I think we have to just, we have to go away because there is really no dealing with them. Well, Jen, I want to ask you a question since you don't mind bringing up some of your personal experiences on this. How did you, or, or I should say, what made you decide enough? How did you get out of it? Are you talking to me? Cause I think yeah. Jen is still gone. Oh, um, oh I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Sheena. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you a very interesting story and I think we lost Jen, but we're going to have somebody else in a minute. Um, I was in a relationship with a very malignant narcissist who basically kept me there and kept me supporting them financially and emotionally and as a food source by beating me down, beating me down, beating me down. And one of the things that this person liked to say to me was, you know, all those people you interview on your show, the celebrities, they don't care about you. They just, they just want somebody who has a show that can be on your show and they make fun of you behind their back. And I went uh, to work one day feeling very beat down. We had just had a fight. I had gotten very, very heavy, much heavier than I am now. I just was not loving myself. And I had a guest on the show who I had had on once before. We were just starting to become friendly, but we didn't really know each other. And I tell this story publicly, so I'll say who it was. It was now my very good friend, Charlene Tilton. And I walked into the studio and Charlene looked at me and she said, you know, the thing I love about you, every time I see you, you always look so beautiful Aww. and something in me, it was like a switch just flipped. And I thought about my ex and I thought you mofo. 
everybody, all the things you've been saying to me that other people feel about me, everybody else loves me. It's just you that hates me. And something in me switched. And that was the day that I decided that I needed to find a way to get out of the relationship. And it took me three and a half years because they do not go away easily. Right. But I got out. Woohoo! Triumphant. <laughs> and uh, so now I do everything I can to work in the narcissist support community um, because there are people out there who never get away. My mother never got away. They were married for 52 years and it did more damage to her after he died because once he was gone, she realized everything she'd put up with for over half a century. Oh, wow. And it, it broke her heart and led to her early death. Um, so, and I don't want anyone else to ever have to go through that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very <laughs> painful to be involved with one. Um, but still, sometimes I'll tell one of my best friends a story about my ex and they'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I never heard that story before <laughs> because there's just so many stories um, that just keep happening. You know, what, and what made you keep going back to that? What was it that what is it about you that was attracted to this individual, even though this person was beating you down daily and over and over before the switch flipped before yeah, thank god yeah. for charlene day yeah. mm -hmm. um i think probably the fact that this person had convinced me that i was all the things they said i was that i that i would no one would ever I date see. me again nobody would want me nobody would want to be in my life i was a horrible person everything this person felt about me i asked for by being such a horrible person and um yeah Right. And yeah. so I learned to identify it and I learned to. Um, I'm so glad you know who you are. Oh, <laughs> I really am. Well, but that's part of being an empath, right, sweetheart? People yeah, are yeah. always the narcissists are always trying to knock us off our game. And yeah. that happens in our professional life and our friendships, friendships, because they're not really friendships. Right. I'm using yeah. finger quotes. Can you hear my finger quotes whooshing <laughs> through the air? Um, and uh, in our romantic relationships, in our family relationships, they do everything they can to knock us down so they can sort of keep us hostage. And oh, I, that's a perfect word. I love that word. And they're, you know what I mean? They don't want us to, they don't want us to move uh, forward with our lives. They don't want us to. And do you know uh, why, Sheena? Because then we'll why? leave. We'll be they'll, like, you know what? They'll, why lose, I... they'll lose control. They want right. the control. Because the minute we get strong, we'll be like, why are we putting up with this malarkey? Mm -hmm. And then we're done. And they don't want that. So they'll mm -hmm. do everything they can to keep us down. And they always tell us the same stuff. You know, one of the things to be aware of with a narcissist while we get our next guest, Debbie, ready to go. Um, be careful of what they tell you about you. Because they will say, if somebody says to you, you know, everybody else thinks dot, dot, dot. Or, mm -hmm. you know what I heard people saying about you, dot, dot, dot. That is very indicative that you're dealing with a narcissist. First of all, if everybody was telling me something about you, Diane, I don't think I would say it because it's not my business and it's just why hurt somebody. The other thing is what they're telling you is what they think about you, right. but they're too much of a wimp to say that. So they have to tell you, oh, you know what other people say. And they, and they, know, how, they know how to twist the logic and the reality for you. So it comes yes. off really believable. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes. And everybody is always 
out to get them. So um, I just heard from our producer that Christy is next. So come on in, Christy. Hi. Hi, Christy. Can you hear us? I don't think we can hear Christy. Wait, I'm sorry, I had my mic off. Oh, hi, Christy, how are you? <laughs> hi, I'm good, how are you guys? Uh, wonderful, wonderful. Here. I'm um, getting over the flu, so let me know if you can't hear my voice okay. No, you and me both, friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's uh, tell us a little bit about your story, sweetheart. Okay, so my story with the narcissist. Um, so uh, like Jen, the narcissist in my life is my son's father as well. Um, we actually, though, we have a history that goes almost 30 years. We um, became friends when I was... 14 years old and he was the greatest friend I had ever had in my entire life. And we stayed friends for 20 years before we ever got together. He was the type of friend that was always there for me. Um, I had a death in my family. I lost my uncle when I was 16 years old and it was detrimental. My uncle was like my father and he was right there beside me. Um, different things happened throughout my life. And then when I was in my 30s, my low 30s, I went through a divorce. And this friend of mine was there through it all. And our friends would joke for years about how we would make the perfect couple. If timing was on our side, we would have made the perfect couple. But he had other relationships. I had other relationships. I went on and I got married. Um, finally, I'm going through a divorce and he's going through a separation from his second baby mama and both of us are single and we're like let's give this a try I had been very close with both of his sons since they were born so they knew me as Aunt Christy I was very involved in their lives I was there for every one of their football games baseball games you know um, birthdays celebrations um, and he was there through all of my major life events as a friend we got together and about a year after we got together, we not only got custody of his older son and his middle and, and his younger son at the time, we also found out we were pregnant. He got a great job. I was doing really well in my career. And then I became pregnant. And as soon as people started looking at me, I started to see that he didn't like that. And things started changing. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, when my son was born, um, <laughs> I was on bed rest for the last week of my, I had a scheduled C-section. Um, I was supposed to have a C-section right at 36 weeks because my son was trying to come early and they put me on bed rest to keep him in there. And I had had multiple back surgeries prior, so they couldn't let him drop down into the birth canal because I have all kinds of metal down there. And so I was, I was put on bed rest and my mom came down those last few days prior to my um, C-section and he got a cold and he couldn't get out of bed to help us with anything. He made my mom sleep on our couch. He took over the guest room. Um, he would not help me lift a single piece of furniture. He would not 
my dog had to have surgery. He wouldn't go pick her up from the vet. He made a big deal. He got mad at me and screamed at me because I wasn't taking care of him and I was arranging for our son to be born. Um, so it really started then I started seeing some things up. I spent the first nine and a half months of our son's life sleeping on our couch and I was only invited to the bedroom when he wanted something from me. Mm. Oh. I'm I didn't so sorry. see that this was wrong. I really didn't see that this is wrong when I was in it. I thought, you know, he's, he's never experienced the relationship like this. You know, he's never experienced the love like this. Like he doesn't understand how much I love him and how much I adore him and how much I appreciate him. And he had said my, he had told my whole family, made this big speech in front of my family about how I was not supposed to be a mom. I was told by doctors for years that it was impossible for me to have a child. So in my mind, when I got pregnant with his child, like this is the universe has sent me this gorgeous man has sent me this beautiful child. Like this is my, this is my destiny. This is mm. all of my destiny. I have no other destiny besides this. And I, um, I let that roll a lot of my hardcore, like personal beliefs and what I would put up with when it came to being in a relationship and being with somebody and, and what I would put up with when it came to having a child involved. And I went on, I mean, this went on for, for years after that. And my family would say things like, you know, he should really be more involved with his son. At 20 months old, my son got diagnosed with pos possible autism. And I knew it. I knew my son was autistic. I knew that he was different. And I was, I was in for it. Like I was in for the ride. I was willing to do any type of therapy. But around that same time, I ended up getting admitted to the hospital um, because what I now know is more from narcissistic abuse. I thought I was experiencing postpartum anxiety and depression so badly that I just did not want to live. I, mm. I thought everybody mm -hmm. would be better without me, including my son. Mm. Mm. I thought that I was hindering my son. My, my partner clearly did not want me to be around anymore. I had nothing to live for. And so I was admitted to the hospital. My family stepped up and not only took care of my son, but his as well. And started his therapies, my son's therapies. And when I came home, I went full-fledged into his therapies. My son is about to turn six years old. His father has never once been to one of his therapy appointments, has never sure. once waken up in the middle of the night with him. The first time he finally, it took me a year to get him out of my house after I realized that this was not okay anymore. And I wanted out and I realized that I was experiencing narcissistic abuse. I, it took a year for him to finally move out He's been out for five and a half months. And this past weekend was the first weekend that he's had our son there um, at his house. And he had him overnight. I was there until after dinner. And I was there as soon as breakfast was over to pick him up. Like it, it, he had less than 12 hours with him. It wasn't like he had an extended period of time with him. Um, it has been so to admit that you were to, to admit that you were in a narcissistic relationship, I think was the hardest thing for me because yeah, that's hard. 
you don't want to admit that you let this person take advantage of you. You don't want to admit that this was a dream and this was not reality. You don't yeah. want to admit that somebody future faced you, trauma bonded you, sure. you know, you, you don't want to admit those things. And I would say that it took me so long to see it. I didn't see it until really that it was abuse until my son, my son started to see spirit. Mm. And the first spirit that he saw was my grandma. And he described her as the lady with purple hair. And he would say the lady with purple hair is here. Lady with purple hair doesn't want you sad, mommy. The lady with purple hair doesn't want you sad, mommy. Be happy, mommy. Oh, wow. And I realized that he was talking about my grandma. And I realized that that was something that I had when I was younger and that I had lost. And when I was excited about it and I was encouraging about it, his father got so mad so mad and it was like he had been busted there was somebody else that was seeing it besides me yeah yeah I'm sure so many people listening right now can relate to your story um what is the hardest thing now I mean you're out you're away I mean obviously you can't like our last caller Jen said you can't be 100% away because you have a child what yeah. is the hardest thing now for dealing with him the hardest thing as of late has been like, you know, what a lot of people call the Hoover tactics. You know, he says that he's recognized that he's done A, B, C, and D, and he mm. never wanted that to happen. He doesn't, he will never do it again, you know, and he constantly portrays this happy family life that I so wanted. I still so want. I know that that's not a reality with him. Um, but it is hard when, you know, your son says, where's daddy? I miss daddy, you know, because he gets to be the fun guy. Like I said, he's never been involved in any of the hard things with our son. He shows off our son, you know, um, he takes our son to the park and plays with them. You know, he gets to do the fun things with them. And so when our son is crying for daddy or saying, I want to go see daddy, can we go to daddy's? You know, it's so hard for me to not want that family unit again. And yeah. it's so hard because now, you know, he's, he's done the, he's started the whole smear campaign, the whole idea that I'm the bad guy. I, you know, he's making all of these changes. He's doing all of these great things what they don't know is that behind the scenes, you know, he slept with that person and the other, and he continuously calls me names and cusses me up and calls me in the middle of the night and calls me an idiot. And, you know, all of these horrible things says that I'm a bad mother, you know, of course. Yeah. That's hard. And, yeah. Diane, and criticizes my yeah. mother. What advice do you have for Christy? What do you do when you've gotten away from them, but they're, verbal and emotional toxicity continues well that's where we have to bring up the word boundaries mm, she has yeah. to have a set of boundaries <laughs> that she sticks by um christy do you have any boundaries that you've put in place with him or are you still not at that point in recovery yet to so say hey i, have, I will not tolerate this <clears throat> any longer i have and I've put in place like boundaries, especially when it comes to me. He is 
you know, I have said many times, like, you're welcome to be a part of your son's life. You can see your sons if you want to be active in their life. They have a school function. I let him know, you know, those types of things. But I do not have to be present with you. Like, we are not going together. We're not going to ride in the same car together. We're not going to meet at the same place afterwards, you know. Like, last weekend when I brought my son to him, you know, I said, this is the time that I'm available to drop him off. This is the time I'm available to pick him up. What I need, the the boundary that I need to implant, like I know that I need to put in place now is I need to stop allowing him to call mm-hmm. and allowing him to stay on the phone. And okay, that and is my there's, there's another side to the boundaries too. There's another step. First, you mm-hmm. have to figure out, and I commend you, number one, for, for taking care of yourself yeah. and then, and then establishing the boundary or boundaries. Yes. The third step is to be consistent. And what are the consequences? You have to live up to those consequences if he oversteps that boundary. Okay. Yeah. Have you set up, I mean, what are you going to do if he continues to overstep overstep when you've said, this is what I will tolerate and not tolerate. You got to have some kind of plan set in place mm-hmm. that will, you know, establish your consequence should he overstep your boundary. That's yeah. the second part of boundaries. Yeah. And you got to shut him down. Something yeah, narcissists yeah. really, really, one of the ways to control them is you cut off their oxygen source. You mm-hmm. cut off the food source because right. they it's don't know the difference in good attention and bad attention. So no. they'll, they'll take you screaming at them and calling them a terrible person as much as you're telling them they're wonderful and it's the same, it feels the same to them either way. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, it's always feeding, right? So you just cut it off. If he wants you to stop answering the phone and you just stop answering the emails, you you stop stop answering answering everything. You stop answering. Eventually he will get bored of having no source of energy and he will look to somebody else for one. Mm -hmm. But as long as you argue with him, as long as you let him argue with you, even if yeah. you're just saying your piece, which you have the right to do, um, he will take that as attention and he will continue to come. And she's, and that would be continuing to engage. Mm-hmm. That's what you right. don't want to do. You don't want to engage anymore. No. Just cut it off. It's yep. so hard to get. I'm like, I feel like as of right now and in, in the place that I'm in today, it is so hard. I know that I need to, so I've got like the head knowledge, but it's not hit the heart yet oh, yeah, yeah. that I am not going to have that closure that I want, that I'm not going to have the apology that I want, that I'm not going to have the change of behavior that I want, that I'm not sure. going to have that, you know, you deserved better. You didn't well, Christy, you're doing, you you're through. doing great. Yeah. I mean, just keep going. And when you get to that point where you need to deal with all that grief, you will, but you're not quite yeah. there yet. You know, you're just in the beginning stages of it. And oh yeah. You know, you're validating who you are. Mm-hmm. You finally are taking care of yourself. This is self-care and you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to make you a better person, you know, a stronger, better person for standing up. And you know, what's funny. And Sheena, tell me if I'm wrong about this. You know, as soon as you start standing up and really showing your power to a narcissist, oh my gosh, all hell breaks loose because they can't handle that. Because you are taking your power back. You are taking your control back. And it is so empowering for you. But it also puts them in their place. And sometimes they're just stunned. They don't even know what to do with that. 
They're not mm-hmm. used to you yeah. being tough no. and strong. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Everything he wanted anytime he wanted it. You exactly. Know. They're mm-hmm. used to you being very submissive. Mm-hmm. It's like that when a shark is coming at you and you punch them in the face. That yeah. actually works. Like you punch a shark yeah. in the face and it goes, right. they're so shocked. They their they're like, wait a minute, yep. I'm the king of the ocean. <laughs> Nobody punches me in the face and right. it freaks Absolutely. them out and they run away. I mean, sometimes you have to. Or you, it's like, it's like uh, confronting the bully in school. You know, as soon yeah, as you yeah. confront them, they're terrified. They're like, what am I going to do with this? Right. But don't confront a narcissist because they love that. Just right. done. Okay, and, and from true. a spiritual perspective, just pull your energy back. So you may have mm-hmm. to sometimes talk to him because of your son and your physicality may be near him, but you pull your energy away to where you can barely right. see him anymore. So mm-hmm. you're just not involved because that's what he wants. He wants your energy. So just yeah. don't give him any. You know, they call it gray rocking in the narcissist community, right? When, when the narcissist is approaching you, don't always ignore them. Just return them with like, I'm great. Yeah, thanks. And then yeah, that way you, you responded, but you responded with nothing to continue the conversation, you know. Sweetie, you're Absolutely. wonderful. And we appreciate you being here with us today. And we wish you the best of everything. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Love you too. Take you care too. of you, sweetheart. Good luck. Bye. Um, I was going to talk about this earlier, Diane, but I, but I will now. When I work in the narcissist community, I always tell my clients, look, there's really three main phases to getting rid of a narcissist. First, you got to get away. So congratulations to everybody who has, because a lot of people are listening right now and they still haven't. That is the biggest um, step. The second thing is you have to heal and healing takes time and you can't rush it. You have to give yourself time to heal. And the third phase is you have to kind of look yourself in the mirror and admit what happened and that you let it happen and forgive yourself. Yeah. Because all the while that you're healing, there's this underlying cord of the unsaid of you feeling so guilty for letting yourself get into that. How could I have allowed myself to do this? Yep. And you can't pretend that you didn't do it. You have to pretend I did it. I, I had the red flags were up. And I still let this idiot in. And there's um, a fourth step. Don't oh, do yeah. it again. Right. And then <laughs> run, 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 run. You see those red flags? Get out. Run, 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 run away. Absolutely. Yes. And then do that. Okay. Uh, we're going to bring in Debbie uh, to tell us her story. And uh, welcome, Debbie. We're so thrilled to have you. Hi. Thank you very much. Hi, Debbie. Hi. How are you? I'm, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> yeah. So, <coughs> so Debbie, tell I thought, Diane and I a little bit of your story. Okay. Sure. Um, I had known this man for years as a friend. Um, you know, there were signs that I, you know, didn't see, like he would always, if we went anywhere, um, it was, Oh, does my hair look all right? Do I look all right? You know, like it was always about him. And, you know, so we were friends. And then when I got divorced, we started hanging out more. And then, you know, I I actually had loved him for years before. But, you know, I was married. He was married. So then when we both were free. So, you know, and then we, we got married. And, <clears throat> and within six weeks of the marriage, my sister passed away very suddenly. And tragically, and um, my best friend for 65 years, and 
you know, and, and all of a sudden, like, he had to go away. He had to go find himself. So he went to his, he had kept his apartment, which was north of where I live, and, and he left and didn't understand why I was upset. You know, I, you know, I was devastated and I needed him. It was like the first weekend alone without, you know, without the rest of the family around. And he didn't see anything wrong with it. And so, and then there were, you know, there were other lies and mis misconceptions and that he just, I saw that he was just lying to me about so many different things. And my feelings for him really changed and I, I needed time to get over this, and he was pushing, pushing, pushing that I had to give him an answer on whether I was going back to him. And I said, well, if you're going to make me give you an answer now, then it's going to be no, because I need time. And that's when the uh, verbal abuse started. Um, he was, you know, he just said awful, awful things. He was, you know, he was calling me at work, well, through the the text really and just saying these horrendous horrible things to me to the point where I was you know crying at work and I'm a nurse and one of my nurse friends said what is going on Deb what is going on and I showed her and she said block him don't let him do that to you so <clears throat> you know I blocked him and then I unblocked him because I thought well maybe he's you know he's gonna stop or be okay and <clears throat> and it wasn't. He actually went on Facebook and bashed me on Facebook, too, on public media. And he said, well, I didn't say your name. No one's going to know. And then my granddaughter right away texted me and said, she calls me me mom. She said, me mom, what's, what's going on? Are you okay? And I said, no. And, you know, I was crying. And then my, my, my daughter, who has a foul mouth, said, what the F is going on over there, you know? And, you know, they a lot of people didn't understand because they all saw that he was this great guy. He was a, you know, he's a radio personality and, you know, everybody just loved him and nobody understood what I was going through. And they just thought I was being ridiculous and he actually tried and was a little successful in turning my family against me because I was doing this for no reason whatsoever. And, you know, and then, um, and he never, you know, he, it's like he doesn't understand. He doesn't think he did anything wrong. To this day, he doesn't think he's done anything wrong. That's an interesting point. And Diane, what do you think about that? Do you think they secretly know what they're doing? Or do you think they really don't know they did anything wrong? That's a tough one. Right? Yeah, you know, I think a part of them knows, you know, more, their, their thinking is more like, aha, I got her, you know, I, I know I'm in, you know, I'm in charge now because she's right where, you know, I, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I think they one. know 100% what they're doing. You think so? But I don't think they think they should. I think they know, but they also think they're 100% in the right Right, yeah. Like, yeah, sure, I said some harsh things yeah, to you, but you deserved it. it. Yeah, exactly. There, there's, Deb, you hit the, sorry, the Deb. on the head. No, she was yeah, just he saying, said, there, he there, said, he you said, deserved you know, it. Yeah. 
right. You deserved it. You deserve that. Yeah, you made said, me act else, like that. Anyone else? He said anyone else in his position would have acted the same way. Yeah. And I said, no, that's not. That's not true whatsoever. You know. Yes. Yes. And, and they um, they withhold love, right? They're constantly threatening to leave, threatening to break up, threatening divorce. Um, if, if you're not going to like, they're like a little kid, right? If you're not going to play the game, I want to play it. Then I'm going to take my game and go home. If you're right. not going to do just what they say, then they're going to take themselves out of your life and they'll show you. And for empathic people who oftentimes we can be a little codependent and have a fear of loss, we panic. We're like, no, please don't leave. We can work it out. We can fix it. And they know that, which is why they threaten it. It's like you said earlier, Diane, it's all a manipulation from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a game to get what they want. And, I, and um, I think for growth for us individually is you have to say to yourself, you know, so what? Okay, do it. So be it. I mean, it's very hard to say. And Deb, I understand, you know, when you're going through something, of course, it's very difficult to just say, oh, yeah, okay, so what? Do it. But that's like confronting the bully, you know. Go ahead. You want to punch me? Do it. And then, of course, they, they're not going to. Yeah. That terrifies them. You just pulled the court, you know, the rug out. And I think you're, I think you're right, Sheena. I, I, you know. I can tell yeah. you with mine. The first, the first time I said just that, okay, bye, go. It's probably the best for both of us. That, that was never threatened again. Other threats were made, but never the I'm going to leave. Once I said, okay. Yeah, I believe that. You go. just have to, you have to say those things to them. And it's so difficult because you're not feeling that in the moment. Right. But you got to say it anyway because you got to take your power back. Right. How are and you yeah, feeling about it now? To- Deborah, how are you feeling about um, it now? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, you know, I was, I still care about him, but, you know, I, you know, we're getting a divorce and of course he's putting it off. And I said, did you, you know, put, send the papers in? Well, I'm not, da, 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 da. Um, my, my daughter, who's not his daughter, is very close with him, you know, so I didn't want to. You know, so it's a little hard because he still has a relationship with her, which I want, you know, because it's important to her. But that makes it harder to be away. Like he still thinks we can, you know, be together like the three of us. And it's just, you know, did you, Debbie, did you ever confront him with, you know, why you were so upset about, you know, your sister and, and everything that was going on about that? Yeah, and it, you know, it. Didn't and why really it matter. hurt you? Why it hurt? It didn't matter. He didn't get it. Yeah, I don't think they. I don't know, Sheena. What do you think? I, I don't think they can understand and relate no. to these kinds of mo- of emotions. He never. No. He never. He never cried when his parents died, and <clears throat> he just kept going on. And his his daughter actually uh, confessed to me that just he was awful to both of them. If they mm. were happy and in good moods, then he was fine. But if they came and they were depressed or they were having money troubles or anything was wrong, he would tell them, well, I, I just go home. Yeah. I don't want right. to see you like this. Right. You're inconveniencing me. You're, you're pooping on my party. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I always want people to, to kiss my butt and feed me and you're not feeding me because you have your own problems. 
So now you just need right. to go and send somebody who can feed me in your place. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why they're so terrible when you're down. It's why they're terrible when you're sick. It's why they're terrible when you need them because they don't want any of that. They're like a spoiled child. Um, yeah, they, he wanted me to, to like praise him when he, you know, when my sister first passed and he came home, you know, like I should have been so thankful that he did that. Wow. That's, you know, that he, that's that crazy. he came, well, you know, where your sister died and I came, I came to your house. I came, yeah. you know, I came, you know, I was there for you, but you don't, I, why would you not understand that? I just need to find myself. Yeah, well, because they don't now? because they don't care about anything that's <laughs> going on with anybody, and that whenever things get bad, they disappear. And that's, uh, you know, I had a friend that was very close to when I was young, and I had to have this big major surgery, and it was very scary for me. And all my friends came to see me in the hospital, and he booked a trip that week and disappeared. And I should have known then that was indicative of his personality type. It wasn't until maybe 10 years later that some really ugly stuff went down and I realized what a narcissist he was. Um, and I see him all the time. We have many mutual friends and people talk about him and bring him up all the time. And I will always love him. He was my very best friend for a long time. But I, um, I, can't, I can't. I can't go back there. I can't, even, I can't even be Facebook friends because it would be such a bad thing for me. And you have to remember that, that you have to put you first, right? Self-love is the opposite of selfish. Self-love is how, how you build a foundation to love all those around you. Um, you can't do it if you have somebody in your life like that that's constantly destroying you. Uh, Debbie, thank you so much for being here. You're so wonderful and we appreciate you. And, right. and Debbie, thank how you are you? How, just real quick, how are yeah. you taking care of yourself? What oh, I love that. What are you doing for yourself, yeah? <laughs> that I'm one's just, funny, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to get by. I know. <laughs> it know, it sounds painful. Yeah, I, I can feel your pain. I hear it. You know, it's just, I, I, I don't like, you know, to be alone is not, it's not, you know, good thing for me. It, it's very hard, but. Um, do you have, do you have just, some kind yeah. of support group? Anybody that you can talk to about all this? Yeah, I do. I have, um, I have a very good friend that I talk to. Nice. And, Good. you know, he's very, very supportive. He helped me through so much, you know. He brought, helped me get my self-esteem back because I thought I was just a terrible person and just showed yeah. me that I can, I, you can make it on your own. You can do it. Well, know? and Debbie, and, and don't be too hard on yourself because not only are you dealing with him, you're dealing with the loss of your sister. And that's huge. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a double whammy for you. So I really hope, I know we're so brief here on the show, but I really hope that you take time out to to express your feelings to somebody you trust or a group that okay. you trust and, and really get that out of you so you can have closure in some way with all these areas. And I, wish you, the best, I wish you the best of luck, Dad. We wish you the, so you much so love, much. honey. You take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. You too. Love you. Bye. What a great, great group of ladies, right? Yes, they were. Wow. I can hear their pain in all three of them. And I just want to say that narcissists are not only men. We had a lot of men's stories today. That's true. Narcissists That's are true. not always men. Um, 
uh, because it's not, it's not, I mean, sometimes women can be even as terrible narcissists or worse. Um, it just, it depends on a person. Right. And oh, um, right. some women could be wicked. Woof. <laughs> woof. Yeah. And yeah. you know that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And I know that <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying mine was a woman. I'm just saying not all are men <laughs> because we don't want to, we have to protect the guilty. Um, but yeah, I mean, so how do you feel about, about this Diane and, and, uh, do you have one of these two? You were very quiet while we were all confessing. Yeah, I know. I didn't share any of my personal stories. No, you know, I've, I've had a, I had a platonic friend. Mm. Uh, she was working with my, my band and definitely a narcissist. And I, I didn't even know how to deal with that. Yeah. I, uh, it took me a while to really understand what was going on because everything sounded like it was my fault. I'm like, why is everything my fault? And I could yeah. clearly, you know, I clearly knew intellectually that it wasn't my fault and that this person just twisted the information. But, you know, I learned to, uh, to, to see the red flags and to see what was going on. And I was no longer going to be manipulated by this. And I got out of it. But I see now that I'm so aware of this, I see so many narcissists everywhere. You know? mm -hmm. But we have to be able to decipher between someone just being selfish and self-centered or a narcissist. There is a difference. And the difference lies in patterns. Mm -hmm. How often are they doing this? How often are they thinking about themselves and not you or not anybody else? If there's a pattern across the board in all different areas that this person cannot think outside of themselves, then, you know, you definitely might have a narcissist. You might have a narcissist. It's wonderful to be here with you again, my friend. And uh, what a complete joy to spend yes. time with you. I um, love this time with you myself, my friend. We are here the second and fourth Wednesday of every month here at iHeartRadio. And um, and this I'm, one's for Valentine's Day. And this lovely topic was just in time for Valentine's Day. So dump the narcissist for this day. Because that's exactly, it's the best Valentine's gift for you. Uh, you can find us at SideBySideShow.com, and you can also find us at um, SideBySideShow on Facebook. You can find me, Sheena Metal, at SheenaMetalSpiritual.com. Diane, how about you? And you can find me at DianeCats.com and DianeCatsBand on Facebook. Beautiful. Thank you so much for watching Side by Side, a show where we use two different perspectives to achieve the same goal. I'm Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium and an energetic healer. And as always, I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Diane Katz, who is a mental health educator. And every time on this show, we're working to get people the help and healing they need side by side. We'll see you next time. Thanks for see listening. See you next time, listeners. Take care of you and just say no to narcissists. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Say you have a problem, think it might be all in your head. Talk with a counselor or maybe a psychic instead. 
doesn't matter how you roll A knife is taking such a toll Clenching fist along with your screams I'm here to heal your mind And we are here to heal your soul Time to follow your dreams